Today I want to talk a little bit about how it is when we get frustrated in our Christian walk. You know, many times uh, we just get overwhelmed with all the things that are going on in the world, all the things that are taking place in our own personal lives. Uh, it's just so much going on and so many activities and things that we we can get frustrated because we don't have the time or we don't have the energy or we don't have the resources uh, in order to really follow through on our Christian journey, maybe the way that we want to. Uh, it, it's difficult. I do believe, though, that as human beings, whether it's on a Christian journey toward faith or whether it's just the way we live in the world, I think all people pretty much want the same thing. You know, and again, it's frustrating to try and get there sometimes. Uh, I think we want dignity. We want human dignity. We want justice for all people. Uh, we want equality uh, wherever we go in whatever organization or whatever situation we're in. We want equality for, for all the people involved. And, of course, peace. You know, we take, we pray for world peace a lot. We, we pray for peace in our families. We pray for peace and comfort when people are sick and ill and we also pray for things like prosperity. You know, it's one of the things we're looking for. Is we want to be able to live a good life. We want to be able to live and to experience all the things that God has planned for us. But we want to live it in a way that's beneficial for us. And not only in this life that we're in right now, but also in the next life. You see, that's part of the joy. That's part of the beauty of the whole thing is... You know, we live here for a certain period of time, but really all of these values that we look for in this life, man, those things will be unlimited when it comes to the next life. You know, the purpose and the peace and the, you know, all the different aspects, the equality and the, you know, all of those things that uh, we search for in this life, we're going to see those in abundance in the next life. You know, it's, the world today teaches us that the way you get the good life, so to speak, the way you get the good life is to put your mind to it and plan things out and then simply put your nose to the grindstone and just work and work and work hard in order to accomplish the things that you want to do. And if you put your nose to the grindstone and you, and you stay the course, then yes, you can have the good life that you've always looked for. Well, Jesus tells us, though, that it's not necessarily, you know, planning and putting your nose to the grindstone that is going to provide you with the good life. Jesus tells us things like, you know, there, there are concepts that you need to consider in your life, like obedience, obedience to God and to God's laws and God's, you know, commandments. He says things like you need to seek truth and you need to grow in your faith. These are part of the things that lead to the good life or to the life that I've always intended for you to have. And of course, there's the one that's that's really hard for all of us, and that's humility. You know, it's hard to be humble of heart uh, in order to see that grow as a positive in our growth in life and, and where life is taking us 
and where our faith in God is taking us. To be humble in that journey is very, very difficult. So, you know, today we're going to take a look at that. We're going to look at what it is to live the life that God has always intended for us to live. And I'm going to start off with a scripture here for you. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm, uh, it's a short one, and I'll read it for you. Uh, but it comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 3. And it says this. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, something just doesn't sound right in that whole, blessed are the poor in, poor in spirit. You know, isn't that like a you know being poor in something? Isn't that like kind of being a loser? Poor in spirit? You know, I remember my mom would tell us periodically, you know, don't be a party pooper. You know, put your nose to the grindstone. Think positive. You know, set your goals and your aspirations and go for it. You know, have faith in, in your abilities and trust that God will lead you uh, in your journey of, of life. Well, that's all good. But I wonder if, you know, is it all nose to the grindstone and forging ahead? Or what about those things Jesus said? You know, mom's saying, you know, grow in your self-confidence. Jesus is saying, you know, think of yourself in a lowly fashion. What's the point? What's the, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are the party poopers. Blessed are the losers. I mean, is that the deal? And if blessed means to be happy, happy are the unhappy? Happy are the losers? You know, the, the bottom line is what Jesus is saying here in this blessed are the poor in spirit is he's saying that you need to be aware of who you really are before a holy and a perfect God. You need to really see and understand who you are, your faults, who, your, your decision-making process, the things that are important to you. You know, the, you know, if they don't line up with the will of God, then, then you got a problem. And Jesus is reminding us here that the life that, that God has always planned for us, always planned for us, is, is a life that is beyond our imagination, filled with good things, filled with blessings and, and just all kinds of experiences. And, but in order to get there, Jesus is saying one of the things that you need to undertake is to be blessed by being poor in spirit. And he's saying you need to be aware of your need for the salvation that God provides for us. That's the bottom line. Is to not think so highly of ourselves that, you know, well, I got this. No, we need to be realistic with ourselves and say, you know, sometimes these thoughts and these images and things that go through my mind, you know, are not right. You know, and as sometimes the intentions of my heart, you know, or sometimes the things I, the emotions that I fight with, you know, like, you know, whether it's depression or whether it's, um, you know, my own will, you know, and this sense that I have, you know, figured it all out and I don't need God's help. You know, that's that's what he's saying is we need to really see who we are so that we can continue to grow and have our hearts changed into the image of the heart of Jesus. You know, I started thinking about this whole topic and and, you know, I went to the Bible and looked at a bunch of these people 
uh, and outside the Bible too, uh, some of the greats, you know, that you would say greats of faith. And one of them that came, that came up immediately was a man by the name of Thomas Kempis. Uh, Kempis was a, a monk in a religious order. He was called, it was called the Religious Order of Canon, which basically was like a priest. And Kemp uh, was on the scene in the 1300s, and he wrote one of the best and most widely uh, read ver or, uh, devotional books uh, that's ever been published, and it is The Imitation of Christ, is what he wrote. And in the book, he makes this comment. He says, a good man always finds enough over which to mourn and weep. A good man always finds enough over which to mourn and weep. What is he saying? Kempis is saying that if you really look at your heart, the condition of your heart, you, know, you really look at the faults inside of your human heart, then you'll and compare that to what God uh, has always intended you to be. He says you'll, you'll find plenty of things there to, to mourn over or to weep over. Because the more you grow in your spiritual relationship with God and the more you ask him to show you exactly what's inside of your own heart, you'll see things in there that, that God needs to be the one to change because we just can't do it on our own. Kempis also wrote, he said, the closer he examines himself, the more he grieves. You know, here's a guy that was, you know, uh, you know one of the, one of the big guys, one of the winners, one of the big cheeses of the Christian faith, especially back then, and and he looks at himself in a very lowly, in a very needy way. He he's saying to us that I've looked in my heart. God has allowed me to see what's really in the human heart, and it's not good. And I need to be His. I need to be forgiven, and I need to be restored. And that's what Kempis was saying. You know, another good one is King David, you know, who wrote many of the Psalms. Uh, in the Psalms, uh, he wrote, I think it was Psalm 19, he writes these words. He, he asked God to not only keep him from his willful sins, but also to expose to him his inner hidden faults. In other words, God, you know, help me during those times when I freely choose, you know, I'm being tempted and I freely choose to sin against you. He's saying that don't, don't just help me there, but also crack open my heart and let me see the evils that are lurking inside there. Let me see the things that are going to get me in trouble later on the, on the, down the road. Let me see who I really, really am. You know, the church today, unfortunately, is struggling here in the United States. It's dying. And it's growing in other areas of the world. And, and this is not a new situation. The Christian church has always struggled. Now, that's not making excuses. It doesn't make it right. Um, but one of the things that I think has taken place over the last several decades is the Christian church has lost the ability or lost the teachings uh, that we need to be humble before God. We need to be blessed by being poor in spirit. We need to be God's children by seeing more and more and more of what really rests inside the human heart. 
inside all of those motivations and desires and, and the ways that we reason things out. We need to really see who we are before a holy and perfect God. That's what Thomas Kempis was doing. You know, that's why he mourned, because he, he realized that he couldn't fix it himself. He couldn't restore himself to the person uh, that God always intended him to be. He needed the sacrifice of Jesus in his life in order to bring him to that point. I think it's really sad in the Christian church today when you meet somebody that's been a believer and been a follower of Christ for many, many, many years, but they assess themselves as far as their spiritual journey goes. You know, they look at themselves, they look at their church attendance and their tithing, and they look at, you know, when they read the scriptures, and they look at when they pray, and they look at all this stuff, and they assess themselves. And they look at themselves and say, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think that's one of the problems that the church has today, is we haven't learned to be, or we've forgotten how to be poor in spirit. We've forgotten to ask God, let me see what really is on the inside of my heart and my motivations and my intentions. Let me see it so that I can understand how desperately I need you. I think if we really continue to do that as a church, as a denomination too, uh, we would be in a much different place than we are today. If we had taught over and over again and it had really stuck Years ago, you know, gen a couple generations ago, that, that we need to, to be poor in spirit. I think the church would be in a different place today than it, than it is. You know, the more we walk with Jesus, the more we should be aware of the shortfalls of our own life. There was a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Many of you will remember Martin Luther. He was... Uh, uh, German back in the 1800s, and, and uh, he, he was a professor of theology, a uh, composer, a monk, a priest. Uh, he, he started the Protestant Reformation, uh, and what his problem was, was he looked at the teachings of the Catholic Church back then, and he disagreed with many of those different or things that the church was teaching. So he came up with a list of 95 different theses or different objections to what the Christian church or the Catholic church was teaching. And he nailed it to the door of a church. And this really was the thing that kind of kindled the Protestant Reformation and started it all. One of the things he was against was this idea of... Uh, uh, where you could buy your way out of sin, you know, by indulgences, where you could basically pay money or donate money to the Christian church, the Catholic church, and then your sins would be forgiven. He, he violently disagreed with that. Luther used to refer to himself as simply a stinking sinner. That's who he was, a stinking sinner. Matter of fact, on his deathbed, he was so overwhelmed with grief over who he actually was before God that he, many people that were there thought maybe he was demon-possessed because he was in such turmoil over the condition of his heart, realizing that he needed the forgiveness and needed the sacrifice of Jesus on his behalf. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, that's it's very short, but it's also very deep. If we really want to end up in the kingdom of heaven, and not just as a place to go, I mean as a relationship with God himself, if we really want to be there, then part of the requirement is to be poor in spirit. We have to look at ourselves in a very realistic way to understand our need for God, our need for Christ, our need for the Holy Spirit in our life, and for the sacrifice the uh, sacrifice that we could not provide for ourselves. We need it. And that's what we need to remember as we continue on this journey, uh, this journey of faith. One of the things that I'm getting ready to do again is to read the Bible from cover to cover, Genesis through Revelation. And I'm going to do this one chapter at a time. Now, as I start to go through this, if you would like to join me in this endeavor to go through the entire scripture, a chapter at a time, and then bounce things off of each other. You know, what did you hear in this story? What did you get out of this chapter? And, and what did I see in this chapter? And maybe we could learn from each other and grow from each other uh, in that respect. So if you would like to do that, go to the website listed here, www.toughquestionsforgod.com. Org, and go to the contact us and just send me a short note and say, I would like to participate with you in this endeavor. So that's the deal. That's the challenge. I hope to see you online. Thanks and God bless.